No discipline is enjoyable when it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for all the victories of this church. Uh, again, Father, the joy. I continue to praise you for the joy of this church. And Father, today I just ask, uh, I invite you in this room every Sunday. Um, Father, this morning as I was spending my time in prayer, you reminded me of when we started this three and a half years ago. And uh, Father, just how far you've taken it. It's been amazing to watch. I praise you for that, for the confirmation. Father, sitting back and watching you work, it's been amazing. Uh, Father, I just ask that you continue to guide us. And uh, Father, give us the courage to follow through with what you ask of us. We'll be obedient. Uh, Father, I, I know one thing that you continue to tell me is we're just getting started. And um, I just ask that you give us again the strength, the wisdom. Father, most importantly, your love to pour out to the people that you bring into your house. Father, today we are continuing this series on discipline. And uh, just like my brother Bojo was talking about, it has been tough. Uh, I have felt very convicted. And Father, I praise you for that. Thank you for showing me in areas of my life that I haven't been as disciplined as I need to be, especially leading one of your churches. Uh, Father, but I promise I'm going to do everything I can to get better. And uh, I, I know a lot of people in this congregation have been taking this series very serious. So, Father, I just ask that you continue to pour out your wisdom to them. And, uh, Father, also, again, teach them how to have that discipline to follow through. Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, today, I ask that you take away anything that's blocking me from you, blocking your message from getting across. My pride, my selfishness. Father, I ask that you throw that away. And today that you give me your concentration, Father, and I need your wisdom. Father, I need some boldness today. But again, most importantly, Father, I need your love. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. I'm going to start this sermon just like I have every series. Guys, in the Bible, there's a very popular verse. It promises us as Christians a prosperous life. Most of you know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But again, for some reason, we see so many Christians today living a life full of harm and very little prosperity. And seeing this, before the series started, I went to God, asked him why this was happening. He told us that his children have every ingredient to make sure that they can have a prosperous life. He's given us every ingredient to do this. But the problem is a lot of us are missing one major ingredient, and that is discipline. That was terrible. That is <laughs> discipline. Thank you very much. Today we're going to continue this series uh, <laughs> entitled Warrior Discipline. I'm sitting here laughing because there was a father uh, who was trying to discipline his son and uh, he was really struggling with him at the house. Uh, couldn't get him to do his homework, so forth. Couldn't get him to do his chores. 
And uh, so he was at his job, and he was complaining to a fellow employee about it. And he said, well, he said, you know, what do you do? And he said, well, when I was a kid, he was like, my mom would send me to my room. He said, the problem is the children today, you know, they go to their room. They've got a computer. They've got a TV. They've got a game console. They've got their cell phones. You know, it's not really punishing them. It's not really disciplining them in any way. And the employee looked at this father, and he said, so how are you going to do this? He said, I'm going to send him to my room. Listen, if the joke's not that good, you've got to encourage your pastor. Just laugh a little bit. Thank you. Act spiritual and not. Amen? In the last three weeks, guys, of this series, we have talked about how to discipline our spiritual life, our physical life, and then we talked about last week the uh, discipline of rest or the Sabbath day. We discussed that quite a bit. If y'all missed any of these sermons, you can go to YouTube, guys. They're on there for the last three weeks. Today, in part four of this series, we're going to discuss how we can improve our discipline when it comes to our tongue and the words that we say. Mmm, that's right. On three, everybody go, mmm, one, two, three. Mmm, that's right. I know some of y'all are very excited about this. Before I continue, I want to remind everyone of something, guys, that we've discussed in prior sermons and that is discipline is not a trait or characteristic that you're born with, guys. It is a lifestyle that you choose. Every Christian can be disciplined. Let's go and look at Galatians 5, through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... One more time. Very good. Which is discipline. That's what it is. So as children of God, we have been given the discipline through the Holy Spirit, and yes, this includes the discipline of the tongue. I know for some of y'all, that's hard. Not me, though. I'm really good at not, you know, I'm good at guarding my tongue. How many of you have ever said something, guys, to somebody, and in that moment, you realized, oh, crud, I shouldn't have said that? Yesterday. <laughs> Guys, I, I, I used to, when Amanda was pregnant with our three kids, we'd go to the grocery store, we'd go to the mall, or we'd go out to eat or whatever, and, you know, people would walk up to her and they would say, oh, when are you due? And I'd always look at them and say, she ain't pregnant. <laughs> like, stick your foot in your mouth, you know? There's another story, guys, about this pastor. I've got to tell this. I actually just listened to this the other day. There was a pastor. He was a new pastor. He'd only been at, it was a big church, like 2,000 people that went to this church. And uh, he was new. He had just moved there. He'd been there a couple months. And uh, they asked him to get up and kind of do like what Bojo does with transitions. And he was talking about the series that was coming up after Christmas. And the series was called Shift. He left one letter out. Sometimes, guys, I'm telling you, your words could destroy everything. You know what I'm saying? Even people coming to the church after that one. What was funny, and I should have got the picture of it, it was him and his wife staying on the stage, and as soon as he said it, they took a picture of the moment that his wife heard it, and y'all should have seen her face. It was really cool. Of all the parts of the body, guys, the tongue, even though small in size, has the potential to do so much good but can also do so much harm. 
I want you to think about it. The tongue has the power to bring people together in unity and in love, but also to start a war. It has the power to even start a war. Marriage is the perfect example of this. Not my marriage. Two simple words, I do, can bring man and woman together in holy matrimony, right? And two words, you're crazy, can tear a marriage apart. I was going to use some other words, but not at the pulpit. Y'all can use your imagination, okay? Let's go look at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Just You remember last week I made a few mistakes up here, okay? See, it's biblical. It happens. For if we could uh, control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Guys, that's a powerful statement. James is telling us that if we could control our tongues and the words that we say, ultimately we could control <clears throat> excuse me, everything about our lives. That's what he's saying. I did a study on the tongue. Did you know that women's tongues, on average, are much smaller than men's tongues? Did y'all know that? A national study showed that ladies speak 3,000 words more a day than men do. So the reason why their tongues are smaller, they're in better shape, okay? And see, I just proved a point. I just started a war with every woman in here by the words I just said. Ladies, I was just trying to prove a point, I promise. This is just part of being a pastor. I, I wasn't trying to offend you. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible, guys, when it pertains to the tongue is Proverbs 18.21. I want to go look at that. The tongue has the power of life and death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. I want you to think about it, guys. The words that you say have the power to bring life to people, bring life to your job, bring life to your family, bring life to the atmosphere and the environment that you're in. But words can also bring death to those same things as well, guys. Again, the tongue is small, but it's very powerful. Going back to James, he gives us three metaphors in chapter 3 about what the tongue can affect. That's what we're going to go over today. The first one is the tongue can affect the direction of your walk. Let's look at James 3.3. 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Okay, So this first metaphor, in the same way that you can control the direction horse by the bit in its mouth you can control the direction of your life by the words you speak now real quick because some of us are not as redneck as others if you could pull that picture up that horse for me please okay guys th this is the bit okay it's in his mouth right here all right this is the reins it's how you control the horse right i mean a, a five-year-old can do it i promise you okay the thing is you know even a five-year-old can control their tongue better than we can adults can't even control their tongue but how many times have your words sent you down the wrong path in life, Christian warriors? I want you to think about that right now. 
How many times have you said one thing wrong and your week spiraled out of control? How many times have your words sent your marriage in the wrong direction? How many times have your words sent your family in the wrong direction? Your career? Your friendships? If you don't believe me about this, guys, I want you to think about something. Again, your words, they can destroy people. But let's say you're talking to your child. You know, I got three daughters. So, sweetheart, I realize you made a mistake. What you did was wrong. But your father's got you back. I still love you. I support you. We're going to learn through this process. Go talk to an employee. Again, the power of the word is so strong. The words that come out of your mouth, you go to an employee and you look at them. You know what? I've noticed how great a job you've done. I'm going to give you a raise. You go to your spouse. You know, babe, I realize that you burnt the meal. But it's okay. All kidding aside, guys, your words are so powerful, the encouraging words that come out of your mouth can lift somebody else up. And it's those moments when you're upset and you're mad, you better be very careful about the words that are about to come out of your mouth. Especially to your children, because they'll remember it. They won't forget. Unfortunately, your words, again, can work both ways. You know, the words of, you know, I hate you. Why are you so stupid? I wish you were never born. You're fired. I want a divorce. See what I'm saying? Words can destroy and they can lift up, guys. Your words have the power to change the direction, not only of your life, guys, but you need to remember others around you as well. Let's look at the second illustration James gives us. The tongue can affect the future of your life. Let's look at James 3, 4. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Let's look at that picture of that ship rudder for me, please. For some of y'all don't know what a rudder is. That's a rudder. Look how small that is compared to this ship, right? It's kind of like the tongue. Something that small has a lot of power. Something that small can lead you in different directions. How many of you have ever been on a cruise? Show of hands. I never have. I get really seasick, don't want to go. If your destination is the Bahamas, but the captain doesn't have the rudder directed in the right direction, guys, you're going to end up somewhere out in the middle of the Atlantic, right? What James is trying to say here is not only can something as small as the tongue control the direction of your life, it will ultimately control the future of your life. If you don't believe me, you can ask the people on the Titanic. 
One sentence out of your mouth, guys, can change your entire future. Who in here likes country music? All of us, right? I mean, we're from the South. Come on now. Yeah. We all like country music. Who remembers the Dixie Chicks? In early 2000s, the Dixie Chicks were setting all the records. All the records. They were big time. They had hit the peak of their professional careers. The problem was, in 2003, they bashed the President of the United States because of the battle that was going on overseas. Guys, that one comment changed the Dixie Chicks' future completely. Completely. I couldn't tell you one song they've sang since 2003. Guys, okay, I would, all right, I'm going to go off script. I want you to think about this. This just came to my head. Um, two of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time rapped about murder and violence. That was Tupac and Biggie Smalls. And guess what? Both of them were violently murdered. But that's all they rapped about. It's not a coincidence, Christian warriors. The words that come out of your mouth will affect your future. You, if you're sick, guys, if you're sick, don't talk about how sick you are. Talk about the healing that's coming. If you're struggling financially, don't say you're broken poor and you're going to go bankrupt. If your children are bad, don't, don't sit there and say they're the worst child in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm serious, like just simple things, guys. The words that come out of your mouth, this is what I need you to understand. Satan cannot read your mind. There's nowhere in that Bible where you can show me where Satan can read your mind, but he can hear those words. As soon as you speak it, he can play with it. It's so important, guys, that you hold the negative talk in and you only let positive talk out. Negative words turn into death. Positive words turn into life. Guys, you need to speak life into your family you need to speak life into your church into your friendships into your job into your finances into your health speak life too many times i can't tell you how many times <laughs> we'll pray over somebody and we'll pray you know they'll come to us like the book of james says come to the elders if you're sick they'll anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will heal you and I can't tell you how many times that we'll pray over someone and literally the next day, I'm sick. I'm dying. You know what? You might be sick and dying, but don't talk about it. Don't even let the negative words come out of your mouth. Again, as soon as you do, Satan's going to grab a hold of them. He'll use them against you. You give him the opportunity to play with those words. Let's look at the third illustration that James gives us about the tongue and what it can affect the lives of others around you. Let's look at James 
3, 5 through 6. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is, the, it is a whole world of wickedness. Y'all catch this, guys. Y'all catch this. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. That's a pretty stout verse, guys. So a spark, we all know this, can start a forest fire. About 10 years ago, we had a New Year's Eve party at our house. We lived on, at the time, we lived over in Pleasant Grove on Trotter Lane. And it uh, wasn't really that dry that day, but there, there was a no, you know, there was a no burn, was it no, no burn, burn ban? Thank you. Yeah, whatever that is. See, I'm from the country. We don't know nothing about that. We just set fires if we want to set fires. But I was living in the city at the time in Pleasant Grove. And, and, and you know, so this redneck decided we're still going to do fireworks. It don't matter. We're going to do them anyway. So we did it. We probably lit up a good $400 worth of fireworks. When it was done, I'm not kidding, we literally walked around. We lived in a cul-de-sac. We walked around the whole cul-de-sac. We looked in everybody's yards, and we knew nothing. everything was okay. There was no fire, no nothing. About 30 minutes later, one of my friends shows up that's late, walks in the door and says, Micah, your neighbor's yard's on fire. Y'all, that whole yard was in flames. Burnt up. One little spark that we didn't see lit my neighbor's yard on fire. Now, now here's the moral to the story. It's not so much that one spark set the fire. It's how I felt afterwards. See, that's the thing. That's what we don't understand. It's, it's that one spark. It's that one word that you say, and in the moment, you feel like you're being bold. You know, you feel like you're right. But that one word, when it sets a flame... And it burns down the entire relationship that you had. It's how you feel afterwards. Y'all, I called my neighbor. <laughs> he wasn't home. I had his number. He was at another party. I called him on the phone. He was an older gentleman, super, super nice guy. And I said, man, I got bad news. I said, I apologize, but we done burned your yard up. He was so nice. Micah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. He even made the comment. He said, my grass will be greener than yours in the spring. It's no big deal. Well, well, then he thought he hung up, and he didn't hang up. And he told everybody at that party what his neighbor did and what he was going to do to his neighbor. I never told him about that, by the way. I never told him that I heard all that. Just like a small spark, guys, you start a massive fire. Your words can burn up the ones closest to you. Your words don't just affect you guys. They affect your family, your friends, your loved ones. We have to be very careful of this today on social media. Especially you teenagers. Especially you teenagers. Guys, y'all need to understand. Everything you put on there, it, it's there. You can go back and try to delete it all you want to. Somebody done screenshotted it. Ball game, it's over. You have to be very careful, and this is why, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing because I preached a sermon on this a while back. If you didn't see it, you can go look at it. It's about a year ago. It was on social media. Guys, number one, just, don't, just stay away. I just highly recommend just stay away from social media, period. 
but I get it. You want to go see friends and loved ones and family members, pictures and all that kind of stuff. That's great. Don't even comment. Don't even comment. Because here's the thing, guys. You could be commenting something that was positive, and they'll spin it on you. They'll spin it on you. And it can ruin your life. But, guys, you've got to be careful. Again, words can affect not just you guys. It affects your family, your friends, your loved ones. Who in here knows a lady by the name of Rachel Porter? Anybody? Rachel Porter... Very intelligent young lady. Uh, she was born uh, in 1963. Very intelligent. Grew up, top of her class. Went to the University of Texas. Got a nursing degree. Turned it into a doctor's degree. Saved many lives, by the way. Uh, she was a surgeon. And she was one of the best in her field. People would come from all over the country to come down and see her. So she could save their life. But nobody knows her because of this. They know her because she's Lee Harvey Oswald's daughter who assassinated President John F. Kennedy. That's how she's known, because of the actions of her father. Your words are no different, men. Ladies, moms, your words are no different. You can destroy a legacy that you spent years and years building off of your words and what happens is not that your kids can't come out of it but you've made it a lot harder on them they're having to work themselves out of that hole that you've created now I don't know about y'all but that to me is motivation enough to watch my tongue the last thing I want is my children to have a tougher life guys it's only gonna get harder for them anyway we might as well try to make it as easy on them as possible Let's quit making the mistakes with our mouths. Amen? So how do we keep these things from happening? How can we control the tongue? Well, I've got bad news, guys. Let's look at James 3, 7, and 8. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. James is telling us, guys, nobody, no one, doesn't matter who you are, can tame the tongue. He's telling us that it is humanly impossible. I'm here to tell you it is humanly impossible. But it is spiritually possible. You can tame your tongue. Your flesh cannot. It takes the Holy Spirit living inside of you guys to tame your tongue. So you've got to be submissive to that. But Micah, how can the Holy Spirit help us control the tongue? It's the same way, guys, as we talked about in the beginning with Galatians chapter 5. Self-discipline. Okay, That's how you can control the tongue. So again, you can't fully control it, but you can discipline your tongue. And then allow the Holy Spirit to help you to do it. So I asked God what this looked like. He showed me this. All right, God, what's it look like? How can the Holy Spirit help us discipline our tongues? He gave me a few things, guys, but here's the thing. We're going to start there next week. It was way too much. I can't get that in two sermons. We'd, we'd be here for another 35, 40 minutes. So next week we're going to discuss how we can do that. 
God has shown me some ways that the Holy Spirit can help us through that process. Main thing is, again, we just got to be submissive to him. Too many times we hear him, he's tugging at us saying, don't say that, right? Tell me I'm wrong. Sometimes it's funny, man. You get in the word, you saying it, and as it's coming out, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. How many times that happened to y'all? Show of hands. Come on. Yeah, right? Guys, I need you to understand that. That little tug that's telling you not to say it, it's the Holy Spirit. If you're disciplined enough to listen to him, if you're disciplined enough to be obedient to him, you can tame your tongue. You can do that. I want to close with this, guys. Again, I want to go back to this. Words don't just affect others. They affect the future of others. Or excuse me, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the future of others as well. But even more important than that, guys, I need you to catch this. It can affect the growth of God's kingdom. So we're going to quit being personal. We're going to quit talking about just how it affects you and your family and your kids. Now let's talk about the Almighty and how your words can affect his kingdom being built. I'm going to ask you guys three questions. Are your words helping build up God's kingdom? Or is it breaking it down? Have your words affected someone from coming to church? Have you said something to someone that has turned them away and turned them off of church completely? I've seen this before. Because here's what I need you to understand. We're real at this church. You know, we're, we're going to say things that probably aren't popular sometimes. We're also going to have a good time. You know, if, if I go out to eat with my wife and I'm with a bunch of friends, we're probably going to be a little loud and I'm going to have a drink or two. Nothing wrong with that. But I've literally seen where that turns people off from church. Now, now that thing, now here's the thing about this. That's not your fault. That's not your problem. They need to swallow their pride. They, they need to realize that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And that's all you're doing is having a good time with friends and loved ones. Nothing wrong with that, right? But I've also seen the reverse of that. Where you're out with a group of friends and one of them's using foul language. One of them's drinking too much. And others see it and they're thinking, oh, if those people over there and they're acting that way, and, and there's Micah, he's a pastor at that church. I ain't going to that church. I've seen where pastors will let their pride get in the way and say something from the pulpit. And the next thing you know, that church has dropped 33% the next Sunday because of the words that came out of his mouth. He hurt God's kingdom. Guys, I take it very serious what I say up here. But here's what I need you to grasp. Y'all need to take what you say out there just as serious. Because I have no doubt that if I slipped up in here, because I've done it before. I mean, I've said the wrong thing sometimes. You guys have given me grace and mercy. And I appreciate that. But here's what I need you to get. There ain't no grace and mercy out there. And sometimes you got one opportunity when you meet somebody 
To see, it's for them to see God through you, and it's the words that you say. Guys, don't tear down God's kingdom. If you can think of a time, guys, that this happened to you, that your words did do this, that your words did turn someone else away from the church, I challenge you today to reach out to them and humble yourselves. Let them know. You know, I messed up. I said some things to you I never should have said. I know I hurt you with the words that I said to you. What I said to you I know hurt you. But I need you to know that's not the Holy Spirit inside of me. That's my flesh. And I don't want that to affect you to think that this is how Christians are. Guys, God's having a pretty tough time as it is with the world that we live in getting people to church in the first place. Last thing we need to do is make it harder. Amen?